You are listening to the Restoration LA podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. So yes, as the costumes have made it abundantly obvious, today is October 31st, and um, I know that uh, some of us may participate in the festivities today, and some people may not, and that's okay. We are a diverse church, and that's cool. But um, one of the things that has come up because of our, I think America's love of like horror films and stuff like that, is that now we have this sort of phenomenon that at certain places like Knott's Berry Farm, uh, which turns into Knott's Scary Farm uh, during this during the season, was we, we have these like haunted houses and haunted mazes. How many of you guys have been to some of those before? It's okay, okay? They're not my thing, um, not, my, not my cup of tea. But uh, I know a lot of people enjoy these. So if you don't enjoy them, this illustration hopefully doesn't scare you or anything like that, but uh, just picture yourself, you know, let's say you've gone through one of these mazes, okay? And you're brave, okay? You've been through Jason, you've been through Freddy Krueger, you've been through uh, the, the clown from It, you've been through all of it, nothing, nothing scares you, nothing scares you. But then, you walk into one more room. You've never seen this room before. This room is dark. It's an empty auditorium. You can just see a little bit of it. The moonlight is gleaming through the window. Cobwebs are everywhere. Suddenly, the lights flicker on. There's now people in this auditorium and one single lectern up in the front. You walk closer to it. You look down, and there's a note there. It's just with your name on it. It's written in blood. And it says, preach the gospel to these people. And you're like, no, that's too scary. That's too scary. I can't do it. And you run out. Right? That, that's the thing. We can go through these haunted houses and, and like haunted hayrides and all that kind of stuff. And like, no, it doesn't phase us at all. But preaching the gospel to someone, that's kind of scary. I don't know if I can do that. And a lot of times, things in our faith, they end up scaring us more than other things do in this world. And fear is, it's a normal part of life, right? It is a normal part, but fear is honestly quite, quite common. It's all around us. And it's probably one of the most primal and basic human emotions that we have. In fact, the fear centers of the brain act more quickly than any other emotion. It's easier to get to than happiness or joy or sadness. Fear is boom, just like that, that fight or flight response. Unfortunately, when we have fear, it can hijack us. And it, you know, we either hijack ourselves or we make ourselves easily vulnerable to be hijacked by other people or outside situations. And we are, are vulnerable to making rash reactionary decisions. America is absolutely filled with fear. The notion that you should be able to simply work hard and bring yourself up by your own bootstraps, that means that if you don't, you haven't made it, there's something wrong with you. That's actually kind of fearful, right? The idea that you need some product or thing or status to matter, to, to make your life worthwhile, that can actually cause a lot of anxiety. The division of people based on politics, race, demographics, the narratives that push other people down and bring yourself, that brings yourself up, that's a fear tactic. Democrats and Republicans know how to exploit fear in our age of social media. That makes it even worse for us. It is all over. Fear of not having enough, Fear of being wrong, fear of being alone, fear of not being loved, fear of loss of control, fear of loss of power, fear of change, fear of disappointing people, fear of other cultures. All of these things, some of us, we, we felt them at some point or another, right? And if left unchecked, or we don't have a chance to process through them and deal with them, 
They can leave us vulnerable to be controlled by these fears. Our fear can cause us to act in ways that we know we shouldn't. We can become unduly angry. We can become passive aggressive. We can fall into depression. We can freeze up in life, just live a stagnated life. Now, this isn't to say that all of our fears are unfounded or irrational. Some of us who have experienced extreme trauma or tragedy, bad experiences, that fear is understandable, yes. But still, that fear can cause negative reactions and hurtful choices. Fear can also, of course, block us from living out our faith, living out our lives for Jesus. Because when we have those fears, those doubts, and those pains, and they define us, they end up reframing our faith and coloring our view of Jesus and dampening our ability to follow. And I don't want to say that all fear is sin, okay, because some of it is normal, but the debilitating, controlling fear, when it freezes up in life, when it causes us to act in ways against the will of God, we know that it can actually separate us from Jesus. We've been going over the last eight weeks over um, the core values. Uh, there's actually seven, but uh, we took uh, two weeks uh, for one of them. And admittedly, when we think about those core values, following them, a little, they can be a little scary sometimes. If you think about it, if Jesus is the center of my life, core value number one, that means I am no longer the center of my life. And that can be a little scary, fear of loss of control. Authentic community, well, that means I need to be vulnerable with people. That means I need to open up my life, and that's scary, right? And, and listen to other people's issues, that, that's draining. That's pretty scary. Being on mission, <laughs> no way, right? A lot of us are like, no, I do not want to be on mission out in the world. Every person matters? What if I disagree with someone or, or a whole group of people? What if I have to confront the fact that I've hurt somebody or that I've participated in systemic injustice somehow? That's, that's a scary thing for me to confront. Compassion, loving in action, taking more steps. That's exhausting. What if I fear that I don't have enough time? I don't have what it takes. I don't have enough resources. All these fears can be in the backdrop of following these things. And if we let our fear control us, we're not going to be able to walk step by step with Jesus. And not only that, it often goes against the cultural. Okay? It goes against liberal culture. It goes against conservative culture. It goes against religious culture. It goes against evangelical culture, my own culture, your own culture, your work culture, your school culture. Um, it can go against all these things. Jesus, at some point in life, is going to call you to say something, do something, be something, yeah. and it's going to buck up against one of those cultures. And when that happens, it can cause relational discord, it can cause disunity, it can cause fights, even if you don't want those things to happen. It might make you have to take a hard look at yourself, look deep within your soul, and have to change something. I mean, no, we have the big fear of change. That can be tough. It might take too much energy, too much resources, the sacrifice is too great. I might have to break these habits that have just been ingrained into who I am. Our own culture can buck up against king, the kingdom culture that God is call, calling us to live. Those core values might sound good on paper, but in practice, they may be asking a lot. And so, you know, sometimes we just want to do it, you know, halfway. Okay? Or, or, or maybe I'll follow Jesus on this day, but not the other day. You know, I, I can just kind of do that, right? I go, go halfway. I'll love just when it's convenient for me. I'll gladly bring my Bible to school on bring my Bible to school day, which is cool. That's cool. But I won't actually dare bring it on the other days. And then I won't share Jesus with my friends. I'll vote for some Christian issue, but I won't go and love the people that that issue affects. I'll wrap myself in a bubble so I don't have to engage with other people who I disagree with. I'll hit a like button for you, 
I'll hit maybe even hit the care button for you, but I won't pray for you. I'll argue online with people who I disagree with, but I won't dare ask the question and listen to their life and find out what is it emotionally that is blocking them from faith. And it's human nature. We want to be safe. We love the easy way, the path of least resistance. I'll be a Christian when it suits me, when the risk is low, when I know others are with me, when I know I'm not going to get laughed at. That can be life sometimes for us. Tackling these issues and tackling these values that God has put before us can be completely overwhelming and daunting sometimes. And when we let our fears and doubts and pains define who we are, we end up sabotaging our own faith. The Apostle Paul has something to say about that. And we're going to look at a passage in Romans. And yes, because it is Halloween, it does have to do with clothing. Um, so forgive me for that. But anyways, um, a little background on Romans. Um, we, we have studied Romans a couple times. And when Romans is written, uh, Rome is uh, the Apostle Paul's target for becoming a base church. Okay? He wants to establish a base church in Rome. And he wants to uh, build this church up and make it like a missionary center so he can teach other, other people and send them out all across the Roman Empire to spread the gospel. And because of that, of course, he needs Rome to be a good, solid church. Right? So he's writing to them, says, hey, I'm coming to you, and I need you guys to work on these things so that we can go on this mission together. Now, of course, that's going to be tough, because during this time, Christianity has, has existed for about 20 years now, and the Roman Empire is starting to you know, turn its eye towards the church. We're like, who are these guys? What are they doing? They're, they're not just this little, little sect anymore. They're, they're becoming pretty big. They're becoming a little dangerous because they don't believe like we do. They don't believe the emperor is, go is a god. So we, we, they call them atheists. Imagine Christianity is labeled as an atheist religion. Um, and they're starting to look with a lot of suspicion on us. But at this point also, there's another group that is not winning any popularity contests either. And that is the Jews. The Jews, a few years before this, were kicked out of, Ro of the Roman Empire because of a bunch of rumors and economic stuff and racist biases. But anyways, um, they were brought back into the empire here, but that causes a big problem because when you kick a whole bunch of people out, they lose their businesses, they lose their homes, now they're back. Where do they go? What do you do with them? Already the people in Rome didn't like them because they didn't like the Jewish people. So now you have this gigantic plethora of, of racial tension that is brewing in Rome. And the Apostle Paul says, all right, there are Jewish Christians that are coming back. And the Jews are coming back. They're still our people in a way. We have to love them still. And some of the Christians, admittedly, in Rome probably had some racial uh, prejudice as well. And so Paul is saying, hey, we got to fix this. Not only do we need to become the base church that God has called us to be, but we've got to fix this racial tension too. That is a daunting task. That takes some of our core values that, that we've been talking about and puts them right into first century Rome. And they've got, to, they've got to find out, all right, how are we going to walk the walk that Jesus wants to live? And this is what the Apostle Paul tells them. This is Romans chapter 13, 10 through 14. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake up from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than, we became, than when we became believers. The night is far gone. The day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery or licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. 
So the Apostle Paul is saying, the time is at hand, people. We have a mission. Salvation is culminating. Time to show what it looks like to follow Christ to the Roman Empire. God has a mission for you, church in Rome. Let's get to it. But you're wearing the wrong clothing. You've got all this other stuff on. You need to switch your clothes. Time to wake up. You don't wear pajamas to a military battle. You don't wear shorts to a fancy party. You don't wear a Batman suit to an Avengers photo shoot. That's more for me. Um, okay. In seminary, I was taught that when you preach, you should not wear a shirt um, or any other like, like, like a hat that has like a giant logo on it or like lots of words on it because that's going to be super distracting to your audience and you want them to be focused on what God is bringing to the table. And you guys know that it's Halloween and I love costumes. And I'm not wearing a costume today because I'm preaching. That's for you. <laughs> that is a big sacrifice on my part. just want you to know. Um, but <laughs> we as an eldership discussed this. <laughs> okay, anyways. Uh, and I, I was already leaning towards no anyways. So, um, But there is something very unique about clothing. There's something very unique about what we wear. It has a sort of metaphysical power to change one's outlook about oneself. You put on a nice suit or a fancy dress and go to a party, you, you're kind of filled with confidence. A military or police uniform in, enforces a sense of duty and pride and honor and unity. Clothes can help you feel at home. You can help you feel in place, boost your confidence. And of course, it's Halloween, and we saw some of the kids and some of the adults in costume today. That's cool. Um, most of you know that, yes, again, costumes are kind of my thing. Um, not only uh, for me is it a creative outlet, I love crafting things, I love making things, but costumes are also a way that I can connect to characters that I love. And, and when a kid dresses up in, in, play, in playtime, and like dresses up as like a superhero, they kind of adopt some of the, uh, the powers or the attributes of those heroes, right? So when a kid plays Superman or Hulk, they might be like, yes, I want to be strong. A kid plays Captain America, nobility and honor. The Apostle Paul doesn't say, okay, dress up as a superhero. He doesn't say, put on your best Roman toga or tunic. He says instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we adopt Jesus as the clothes we wear, are we going to connect to who he is? Wearing Christ, he's right there on our skin, becoming part of you. Changing your appearance, boosting your faith, becomes part of who you are. Core, number value, core value number one, Jesus becomes the center, right? But first, Paul says, we must remove the wrong clothing that you have on. And Paul names a few of these works of darkness, as he calls it, that the Romans might be tempted to keep on. Reveling, drunkenness, debauchery, licentiousness, quarreling, and jealousy. He says, take those things off. Now, it's one thing to say, all right, don't do those things, right? It's one thing to say, all right, check the box. I didn't do that today. I wasn't jealous today. I didn't participate in some crazy party today. Cool. But each of these things have a fear or insecurity behind them. Sin the, the things that we do oftentimes have fears and insecurities behind them. We do these things because we feel like we're missing something or we have something that is, is bugging us, and so we act out in these ways. And so if you think about each of these things, the fear of not fitting in, being accepted by the culture, well, I'm going to go do what the culture does because I have a fear of not fitting in, fear of being wrong, fear of being out of control of one's life, fear of um, not having what someone else has, jealousy, fear of not being good enough. All these things could have caused the Roman church, to do all these things. And Paul says instead, all right, put on the armor of light, put on Jesus. This isn't just a clothing swap. 
This is a complete transformation. Jesus wants to go deep and tackle those things, tackle those fears that cause us to want to act in those ways. He wants to get at the root of where it comes from. Light shines in darkness. He uses this motif of light and darkness, right? When light shines in darkness, you know, when you're in a dark room and light shines through, it hurts, right? Light, boom, it cuts through the darkness. It cuts through. Isaiah 42, 16, I will lead the blind by the road that they do not know. By paths they have not known, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light. It's a transformation. The rough places into level ground. These are the things I will do and I will not forsake them. These things that we have make us insecure and anxious. And they make us do things that are against God's desires. It hampers our walk with Christ. The Roman church would be compromised if they gave in to their fears. And for us, if we let our fears of living out the life that God has envisioned for us, well, chances are we're not going to do it. And I understand, some of this natural, right? It's natural. Those fears are natural. Sometimes we just want to leave a few of the old things on, right? You know, I'll, 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 I'll kind of give in to some of those things, but put on Jesus. I'll, I'll wear my Jesus socks today, right? I'll put on the Jesus t-shirt, but I'm still going to keep on the other things, right? And maybe I'll just put on a little bit of Jesus, not go the whole way. But Jesus is not just Jesus, right? Jesus is complex. There's so much to Jesus. And we need to explore all of who Jesus is if we want to see those sins and fears conquered. We have to have the whole picture of Jesus. We have to put on all of Jesus. There was one time when um, I went down to San Diego Comic-Con, which is like my element. Um, and, and this was, I, I was going to wear my first big cosplay that I've ever worked on. Okay? This was Mandalorian armor. You guys know what Mandalorian armor is from Star Wars? There it is, okay. Okay. Um, to my horror, I drove down all the way to San Diego, and I found that I had forgotten my jetpack. And what is a Mandalorian without his jetpack? Now, I could have gone to that convention, and it would have been fine. Okay, it looked okay. In fact, I think that picture doesn't have the jetpack in it, because I think I was like, all right, take the picture. <laughs> no jetpack. Um, I drove two hours back to LA, retrieved my jetpack, drove two hours back down to San Diego, just so I could have the complete costume. Am I insane? Yes. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. Um, but that's the thing, like, I wanted the whole thing. I didn't want to go just halfway. And with Jesus, we can't go halfway either. We have to have all of Jesus, okay? All of Jesus. We have to see the whole picture, okay? And, and obviously, we can't explore the whole picture this morning, but that's why we have to go deeper with Jesus, go deeper with him, okay? So let's explore that. Now, we may be thinking, like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're talking about fear. Like, I, when we have fear, we, we like to have people that kind of associate with us, who have those same fears. We can talk about those things and get through it. Why would Jesus have fear? He's God. He's not afraid of anything, right? But we actually see in the Bible that Jesus actually does have a little fear when he's here on this earth. And I think it's a very important passage that we need to go over. Jesus is, it's the night before he's going to be arrested and then put on trial and crucified. Okay? And he's going to go and be alone with, with God. This is what he wants to do uh, before this night. Because I think he's living in anticipation of what's of what's going to happen, okay? If we have fear, how many of you know that anticipation of that fear is actually a lot more terrifying than facing it, right? You just think about it, and it's just racking in your brain. When I was young, um, and I, I was thinking I was like four or five, um, I was gonna get the uh, manual vaccinations that I was, you get as a kid, and 
I was really skinny as a kid. And I got a training nurse one, that, that one time. And they put the needle in my arm and they hit my bone. And that hurts. And from that moment on, I have had a fear of shots and needles. And so from that moment on, when I knew I had to go to the doctor, get a blood test or, or a shot, I would be freaking out that morning. I would start getting a cold sweat. Um, when it would actually happen, I would vomit. Uh, I would faint. And, and it was just bad. Um, my brother actually had the same fear. I don't know if it's just because he saw me being afraid. But um, there's one time my dad, who was a doctor, he brought home flu shots for us. I don't know if you're supposed to do that. But, uh, but he, knew, he knew that we wouldn't go to the doctor to go get it. And so he was like, well, I'm going to bring it home for you guys. And my brother was so scared in living in that anticipation that he ran from my dad. And my dad just had to run him down and tackle him to the floor and give him his flu shot. I just sat there. <laughs> I got over this like six years ago. Yeah, a lot of prayer. Um, <laughs> But anticipation of our fears is often way worse than the actual thing. Like, I know a shot, it's not actually that painful. Okay? But Jesus was anticipating something a little bit more. Okay? A nail in the, in the hand is, is a lot more than a needle, right? Okay? But this is what happened. Okay? Luke 22, 39 through 44. He came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, or the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and the disciples followed. When he reached the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not come into the time of trial. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and prayed, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him and gave him strength. In his anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he got up from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping because of grief. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. What I love about this passage is that Jesus shows real fear. He shows real fear. Hey, Luke has this incredible detail that his sweat became like blood. Okay? He started sweating blood. And this is a condition known as hematohydrosis. Okay? And it is a condition in which the capillary blood vessels that feed the sweat glands rupture, causing them to exude blood. And this occurs under extreme conditions of extreme physical and emotional stress. You could say that Jesus was anticipating some extreme emotional conditions, right? And physical, okay? And there are other documented cases that we have in our world of this. Prisoners on death row, people who were living under the threat of bombing raids in London during World War II, fear during a storm uh, on a boat. All life-threatening situations. This is a real thing. It's not very common, but it's happened, and it happened to Jesus in his humanness. Jesus was both fully God and fully human, his divine nature knew what was going to happen, right? He could see it. He was about to be flogged and tortured, ridiculed, and killed. He knew this was going to happen. His human side knew this and anticipated the coming pain. But, but, but wait a minute, but it was, it was all for the good of mankind, right? It was for the people he loved, and this would, be, this would be okay. This was all part of the plan. He'd be resurrected. It was going to end up okay, sure. But the fear was still real. It was still absolutely real. And he prayed, he prayed, Father, may this cup be taken from me, but not my will, but yours. His fear and stress were absolutely real. He was perfect and was without sin, but he too understands what fear is. He understands. So he understands what we're going through as well. 
And how did he handle it? Well, he brought his friends with him. Okay? Even Jesus needed a team. Granted, they fell asleep on him. But maybe they're related to my wife's family. Um, <laughs> fall asleep anywhere and everywhere. Uh, we cannot do this life alone. We can't do this life alone. Jesus himself needed a team. But the most important thing that he had was a connection with God, a connection with his heavenly Father. He prayed. In Matthew's version of the story, which is a little bit longer and doesn't actually include the, the blood detail, um, it says that he threw himself on the floor because he was so agitated, and then he prayed. And he prayed not once, but three times in Matthew's version. And you got to wonder, like, was he hoping for a different answer? God, come on. But no, he prayed three times, fervently, in pain, in stress, because he had a connection to the Father. He was willing and able to lay out his fears to the Father, who was listening, was listening. He was. He trusted his Father, though. He trusted God. And he had that connection with the Father. And we can have that connection as well. This relationship, this security, the peace with God, the centeredness, he was able to put aside his own fleshly fears and desires, real as they were, and he put them under the will of God. He placed his trust in the Father. And that, coupled with his innate love for humanity, allowed him to overcome his fear and be obedient to God's command. We can have the same relationship. John 14, 26 through 27. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let them be afraid. This was Jesus speaking to his disciples shortly before uh, this time of going to the cross. He was about to leave them, and they were probably pretty terrified because they would have to carry on his legacy. They would have to carry on his teachings, and he wasn't going to be there. And he says, well, wait a minute. No, I may not always physically be here with you, but the Holy Spirit will be. You can have a relationship with God 24-7, forever, your entire life. That's you. Jesus is the one who not only understands our faith or our, our fears, but he's the one who will go with us and walk with us through those fears. And in fact, he says, not only am I going to take you to those fears, I will take you to the deep, dark places you didn't even know you needed to go. Jesus went to, in fact, scarier places than the cross. There's this um, amazing set of scripture, there's several of them in the Bible, um, that, that point to this wildly perplexing and amazing idea that after Jesus died on the cross, he went down to hell. And there, he went and preached and proclaimed salvation to some of the faithful down there who had previously died and emerged, as it says in Revelations, with the keys of life, signifying his victory over death. Okay, there's this passage in Romans, in Hebrews, in Ephesians, and I'm not going to pretend to be able to explain exactly how that works. Okay, I don't know exactly how that works. But it means that Jesus was willing to go to the depths of humanity for us. Jesus was willing to go to the deepest, darkest fires of hell for us. This is our Jesus. Who else could snatch life from the jaws of death? Who else but God himself could save our souls? Who else was willing to take the risk, the pain for us? Only Jesus, only Jesus, only Jesus. This is why I think Paul chose to say, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't just say, clothe yourself with Jesus, my friend. Clothe yourself with Jesus Christ, my Savior. He says, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is our King. Jesus is our ruler. There is an element of obedience that has to happen when we walk in our faith. 
Jesus is our Lord. But he's also the king, yes, who loves us. Whose love is so great that he would consider me worthwhile enough to do all of that. No other religion or faith or scientific discovery, no government, no person, no president, no product, no crazy internet offer has the power to change life like Jesus can. Only Jesus. On the cross, he showed it. And he beat the power of hell. Jesus confronts the depth. And he took on, the Bible says, all of the sin, all of the fear that we have as humans. And he took it and he buried it with him. He endured every act, every thought, every persecution, every trauma, every doubt, every death, every act of violence, every disobedience, every failure, every lie that has plagued our brain and took them to the cross, every shed tear that we've had, and he buried them forever. Not just buried them, not just get rid of them, but he gives us the power, the wisdom, and himself to tackle those things here and now. We may still have a little bit of that here, but in the end, it's defeated. It is defeated. And that gives us permission to explore it ourselves with Jesus, to go into the depths of who we are. If God's already been there and conquered it, it's safe. We can go there. We can explore those things too. And we may be able to look at ourselves and say, yes, I have been afraid that God wasn't enough because I feel like I'm not good enough. I've been afraid that I would not have enough, and that kept me from being generous. I've been afraid to forgive because I don't want to get hurt anymore. I've been afraid to stop judging and labeling other people because it protects me from my own shortcomings and sin. I've been afraid to stop tearing down others because it's the only way I can make myself feel better about myself. I've been afraid to go deep with you, Jesus, because I like being comfortable and I don't want to take the risk. We can look at ourselves and say, okay, that's real. It may be kind of ugly. I don't like it when I look at that. But Jesus endured all of that. He took those things, and through his deep connection with the Father, and his deep love for you and me, he took those things. He didn't shy away from it. He didn't say, ew, that's disgusting. He said, okay, we're going to deal with it. Our normal humanness will cause us to hide and cower and freeze. We hear in the back of our minds, run, retreat, isolate. But that is not the voice of our Jesus. Instead, he doesn't say, go away. He says, come here. I have an invitation for you. 1 John 4, 16 through 18, God is love. And those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. We've been afraid. We're afraid of the consequences. We're afraid of how these things play out. But love has been perfected in us because of Jesus. And in that, we do not have to fear. And it says, on the day of judgment, we can have boldness. We're going to have to confront those things that we've done. We're going to have to see our sin. We're going to have to fess up to those things. But we can still have boldness in front of Jesus. That's different. Why? Because Jesus has conquered it. And therefore, we can conquer it as well. 
John 16, 33, but take courage, I have conquered the world. Your sin, your darkness is conquered. Jesus has declared it so. He has made it true. And we may still be momentarily in those depths right now, but we have the assurance that in the end, it ultimately is and will be defeated. In God's eyes, in God's reality, it is finished. And therefore, when we put on Jesus, we can start to see what Jesus sees. We can start to walk like Jesus walks. We can start to live like Jesus lived with peace and courage and faith instead of our fear. And so we have to look deeply into our own souls, the places we don't want to go because it is terrifying and we do not get rejected. That's what we were always afraid of, rejection. But that's not what we get from Jesus. We do not receive condemnation, we receive mercy. We do not receive rejection, we receive grace. We do not receive laughter and lectures and shame. We receive help and love and salvation. That's our Jesus. And most of all, we receive him. We receive him, the one who understands, the one who does not cast us out. We have unfettered access through the Spirit, salvation and lordship from Jesus, love and grace from the Father. All of him. All of him. The same relationship that allowed Jesus to brave the cross. If this is true, if Jesus really did all of this, if all of this is real for us, then we can truly understand that our fears, our sin, and the works of darkness, we can take them off. I don't have to live in fear anymore. Our fears may be real, but Jesus is bigger. The works of darkness that we've had on, they may be fearful, but Jesus is bigger. And again, some of us may have experienced some deep trauma. And I'm not just saying, okay, now that you have Jesus, boom, it's just going to go away. Okay, it's not just, oh, pray a little bit and it's going to go away. A lot of us have experienced some deep things, deep trauma. I'm not saying that. Some of it may take a lot of work, a lot of prayer, a lot of community. It may take some counseling, some therapy. It may take some community to take those things off. That's okay. It can be a process. That's okay. But the starting point is Jesus. The anchor is Jesus. That's where we need to start our relationship with Jesus. Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. In that, we will gain the blessed assurance that the one who is unafraid of us in our dark places, the one who is willing to stay, the one who is willing to help us in our time of need, the one whose perfect love casts out fear, is with us always. And we can then say, I was afraid that you would reject me if you knew my darkness, but your unconditional love demonstrated on the cross has shown me that I am accepted. I was afraid that I would fail you if I took another step. But your grace calls me deeper and deeper into the life that you have for me. I was afraid that no one actually loved me, but now I know that you do. And I know my church, imperfect as they may be, can love me and walk me through my life as well. I was afraid to seek help because I didn't want to be laughed at. But now that I know that even if I was laughed at, your opinion matters more and that my church is here to help me. I was afraid to let go of this, this relationship that, that, because I was afraid to be alone. I was afraid to upset my own culture. But your love has shown me that you are enough and following you is more important. About a week ago, I went to a neurology appointment. Um, I don't know if any of you have noticed, and I probably shouldn't even point it out because now you're going to be like, oh, I see that. But um, uh, I actually have a, a, a small tick Okay, sometimes I'll scrunch my eyebrows or I'll, um, uh, you can't hear it, but I'll make these small little murmurs in my voice. And they're sort of these involuntary, uh, uncontrollable ticks. I, I have no ability to, like I can really concentrate and control it, 
but it's there and it's gonna happen when I'm idle or, or stressed out. And um, I've had them probably ever since sixth grade. Um, and so I, I, I'm really tired of it. <laughs> it. It bugs me, I don't know if it bugs you, uh, if you've noticed it, but it bugs me. And so I went to the neurologist and it's like, all right, let's, let's see what they can help me out on. And they pointed out that, okay, not only are, are your symptoms um, a tick, and like that's definitely there, but you actually may have a mild form of OCD. Like, ooh, okay, all right, that's interesting. I never thought of it that way. Um, that may take some, some psychological stuff too. And I, I left there feeling, okay, if, if there's some psychology stuff in here, then I may have to go into my past a little bit and think, all right, maybe there's some stuff in my past that has caused this in me. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, as I was driving away, call your dad. Oh, okay. Like, I have a pretty close relationship with my dad, but I've never gone too deep with him. I've gone pretty deep with my mom, but I've never been able to connect with my dad as much. And I thought, okay, my dad's a doctor. Um, maybe he'll have a second opinion or can, can kind of counsel me in some of this. We ended up talking for two hours on some pretty deep stuff. And um, he, he revealed some stuff about my own family history, his own family history, some of his past traumas and struggles, um, part of who he was, some stuff that I'd never heard before. And while that was really good, it did unleash some old wounds that I had and some things that I thought I've confronted, but maybe I haven't fully gotten over them. And this was a little bit scary. And what ended up happening is that as I, I hadn't gotten a process or a, t a time to process through all these things, I find myself getting stressed out and, and short with my kids especially. And like, you know, I'll raise my voice to them sometimes, but it was getting to that point far quicker than I normally would. And I think I just never had that time to sort of process and, and think about what was going on in, in my brain, in my soul. And so I prayed about it, and God told me, like, okay, you know when Ethan and Addie are, they both want your attention, right? They're saying one thing, and like, oh, you're not listening to me. And then, of course, I have my grandmother in the house and her medical needs, and I have to take care of uh, some things around the house, and my wife's there too, and everyone wants my attention. I feel so fragmented and, and stressed out because of it. But you know that what you're feeling right there is fear. It's not just stress, it's fear. Well, fear of what? You're afraid to be a bad father. Ooh. I was that weird kid that when people asked me like, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? I was like, oh, you know, doctor, fireman, astronaut, whatever. Like, I want to be a dad. What? No kid said that. That's why I have a minivan. <laughs> And so one of my deepest desires as a kid was to be a father. And now I am. But I'm afraid to fail at it. I'm afraid that I'm not going to be perfect at it. And I'm not. I'm not perfect at it. And that's a fear I've got to confront. Because deep down, even below that fear, is a fear of failure, fear of performance. Those are the things that I'm not exactly looking forward to confronting. I thought I confronted it before, but maybe it's a little deeper than I thought. Maybe that has some connection to, to my neurological stuff. Maybe, I don't know, but I have to confront that. But I know that Jesus is with me, but I know that Jesus still accepts me. And I know that I've got each one of you to walk me through that too, if I need help. That's the life that God wants us to live. I'm still a little terrified, but I know we can do this. And God has that for you as well. You may have fears in your life. God wants to confront those things. But we have each other, and hopefully we don't fall asleep on each other. And we have Jesus. We have Jesus.
Imagine, just imagine, church, if we could all start tackling that at once. If we could all be those kind of people. Yes, okay, I have those fears. I'm human. That's real. But I have my Jesus. Maybe then we could start really living those things that God's called us to be. That we don't have to be held back by those fears. We know, yes, I'm going to walk forward. If we all handed over our fears to Jesus, trusted him, made him the center of our life, if we were able to take off those works of darkness, imagine what our faith life might be like. If we made peace with our own insecurities as God has given us our secured souls, then maybe we could forgive each other just like he does. If we replace the fear of people, uh, different people, with a fervent love and compassion that Jesus has, then mission can become a lifestyle. If we put away our worries about money and status and remove those idols from our lives, then maybe, just maybe, we can see every aspect of our life as worship and a place to grow and give him glory. If we gave our anxiety about people pleasing to him and then replace it with a kingdom-pleasing mindset instead, we could love people unconditionally just as he does. If we remove our garment of pride and let people into the depths of who we are and go into the depths of who they are as well and find healing just as Jesus did, then we might be able to live authentic community. If we give our bad experiences with different people, even those not following Jesus to him, then instead we might see people like he does. Each person vital, each person important, every person matters. Each with their own story, with their own pain, with their own fears, but we could let them know that Jesus loves them as well. The life that Jesus has laid before us can be scary, and it can go against the grain of every single other culture in this world. But we can have a confidence that Jesus braved the depths and fires of hell for us. We can have the confidence that we can clothe ourselves and embody Jesus. The one who understands our fear, knows our fear, does not reject us because of our fear, and goes to the depths to save us from our fear. That's our Jesus. Let's put on Jesus today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, you are the one who conquers all. You have conquered the world. And I pray that we would be willing to let you into the depths of who we are so that you can conquer those things that need to be conquered. God, you've envisioned this wonderful life and you've encapsulated this so well in the core values that you've given us. God, may we be able to cast aside all those things that are holding us back that we can walk forward in you. We love you. We thank you for your sacrifice for us, your love for us. Pray in your son's name. Amen. Awesome. Hey, would you mind standing with me this morning? I just saw Sam. <laughs> It reminds me of a little quote I saw, Sam. It says, when it came to the pandemic mask, you're like, everyone has issues with wearing masks, but people have been wearing masks to church for years. Not like that, though, Sam. <laughs> Luchador. Um, scary faith. If you wrestle with fear when it comes to this thing that God has called us to be a part of, I just would love for you guys to just close your eyes for a moment and just respond to that. You think of every element of, of who we are trying to embody as a church, a Jesus-centered people. Hey? 
people who love others, the people, all those things that Brett just tied together so wonderfully for us today. Being a part of authentic community, that's a scary thing because we've been used to hiding things for so long. It's being sent out. God using us to reach others. But what if, what if they remind me of who I used to be and how imperfect I am? We just think of how fearful those things are. The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power but of, and of love. And there's two versions. One says a sound mind, and I, I love that version. One says self-discipline. A sound mind, I'm telling you, the healing of this mind that we have <laughs> that is soundly set on who Jesus is. And if you're facing those fears, I would just love you to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you this morning. The opposite of fear, we believe, in the, in the, in the kingdom context is faith. And so where there is fear, God wants to make an exchange for faith. Faith is believing in those things that you cannot see. And so if you cannot see yourself preaching the gospel to someone in faith, can't you see yourself sharing Jesus? If you cannot see yourself loving someone that, that, that is unlovable or that has hurt you or that is part of a people group that you do have no desire to connect with, can you see yourself loving someone like that? If you have fear of connecting authentically with this church community that God has called you to be a part of, and just, well, I'm an, I'm an introvert and I'm private and I don't, I don't do that. Just can you see yourself connecting and being part of something so true and so authentic that you are a central part of who we are together? Can you see that? That's what faith is, is being able to see it and then allowing the spirit of God to allow you to do it. So, Jesus, where there is fear, we just ask for faith. We ask for an increased measure of faith for, for your children today, your sons and your daughters in this place. An increased measure of faith, God. Tenacious bulldog faith, Lord. Or as Brett titled his message, scary faith. Faith that makes us do scary things, things that we might tremble on our way out to do it. But we're going to do it because we, you have shown it to us, God. Lord, I speak life into dead places. I speak faith into, into fearful places. Lord, I speak joy. I speak peace. I speak hope. This is your kingdom, God. This is your kingdom. And I even pray for a stirring again, God, for this community that you have called us to. We are gathered in this place. And yes, we've come from different communities that have come to gather in this place. But Lord, this place you have called us to in a significant, for a significant reason in this season. And I pray that we will once again look at this, this region with eyes of faith, God. This is not just about us. This is about so many others who are bound for a place that you never created for them. And I pray that that, that faith that we are talking about now will stir in us to reach those who are desperate for you, God. Lord, I bless every man, woman, and child in this place. Lord, by your spirit, I just pray they are sent and released into all that you are calling each and every one of them to and us to corporately. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Let's give Jesus praise. Thank you, guys.
Awesome job, Brett. Well done. Um, hey, we love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, we will be here next week. Don't forget, we are starting to receive uh, Thanksgiving um, meals. If you want to donate uh, finances for us to purchase, that's cool too. Or if you want to just bring food, we are taking turkeys and stuffing. We have a, a refrigerator upstairs that we can begin to st um, store stuff. And so we want to bless some families with meals this year. Um, and, and stir yourself for December, December 11th. That two-by-two two ministry, if you guys remember last week's um, service, um, it is not a sign-up ministry. You're all signed up. All your names are on it. And so my hope is, that's why we put it so far out in December 11th. I hope that you can come December 11th uh, that morning to be with us. It's going to be uh, two hours, 9.30 to 11.30. We'll come here. We'll prep. We'll pray. And then we are going to go into our community. So uh, it sounds old school, but I'm telling you, it's so good um, to see what God can do when we put ourselves out there in faith. And so uh, we believe that God wants us to demonstrate what that looks like for us. And then that'll spark something amazing in each and every one of us. So love you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you guys soon. Bye-bye.